Welcome to the How to Buy and Sell a Business, Business podcast. podcast. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, legal topics we're talking about today is not intended as legal advice for general information purposes only. No attorney-client relationship is being formed by this podcast. We're happy to chat with you. If you've got questions, feel free to reach out to us. You can find information on our website at www.goformandlaw.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Buy or Sell Successfully podcast. My name is Sam Foreman. I'm a business attorney uh, based in Wichita, Kansas. Our firm serves clients in Kansas and Missouri. Uh, and my co-host today is... My name is Jake Wayman. I'm with Orange Theory Fitness, I'm small business owner um, and just community activist, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, and today we are talking about uh, who should you have on your deal team? This is part three of an eight part series uh, here. We're trying to give folks a, a really good overview of buying or selling a business. Uh, maybe you've uh, bought or sold a business before, but it's been a while and just looking to kind of uh, shake off the rust a little bit, you know, reimmerse yourself in a lot of the topics. Hope that this is helpful to uh, educate, empower, and equip you to have a really successful process. Or maybe this is the first time for you as a buyer or seller uh, or somebody who's looking to uh, transition to the next generation. I uh, really hope that this uh, this information is useful to you in the process. So let's let's talk about who should you have on your deal team. And we talked about this a little bit in the first podcast. Uh, and, and Jake, I'm really glad you brought it up then. But is really the first person that you should think about having on your deal team is yourself. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Uh, and I really like Jake's analogy that he's used before, which is you're the quarterback. Um, you are, you're the quarterback or you're at least the coach. Um, you really need to be the one who's driving. What are the outcomes that you're looking for? Uh, and you're the person who needs to be coordinating with folks, making sure that everything uh, is running to your satisfaction. And you really need to, at the beginning of the process, understand what is your role? What do you want your role to be? What does your role need to be for the process to work correctly? And then how do you communicate and coordinate that with the rest of your team? Yeah, kind of uh, Yeah, kind of on the analogy of the coach quarterback thing, I, I really saw myself as the quarterback and the coach mm -hmm. was actually people that were in my network that necessarily were on my deal team, but were there to mentor me through the process, you know, providing me insights on what I need to be looking for and just really leaning into them for people who've been through the process before. You know, I think that's really, cause as a, you are the quarterback cause you have to deliver and you're the one who has to make sure the ball's getting put in the right person's hands at the right time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Ab absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another person that you need on your team is a good accountant, a good tax advisor. Um, when you, whether you're selling or buying, there are a lot of tax implications to the deal. Um, and not just to whether it's an asset deal or whether it's a stock deal, um, but there can be different components. If you're, for example, keeping the seller on uh, and as the buyer, you're keeping the, the principal owner of the seller on uh, and you've got some deferred compensation arrangement, um, there can be a lot of sticky tax rules around deferred comp arrangements. And that a lot of folks can miss. And those can become very, very expensive um, if those aren't properly handled. Um, there can be lots of opportunities to try to structure things um, through purchase price allocations. And so a really good tax advisor is worth their weight in gold in the process. Um, 
frequently you'll see folks that are buying businesses and in, in, that have operations in multiple states. Um, and so you're going to run into multi-state issues um, and you want to make sure that you understand how the deal is going to fit together and that your accountant is all over that for you so that they're the ones because they have the experience who are telling you, okay, you need to do this form and you need to make sure that you're aware of this tax and everything else that you can budget properly for the deal as well. Um, but that person's, that person's really important. They can also help you a lot with, um, due diligence, um, with really understanding the financials because mm -hmm. they look at that stuff all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're going to know in, you know, an hour or two hours sometimes just by looking at some particular report, like, gee, this doesn't really add up, you know, and, or you should ask this follow on question, make sure that you mm -hmm. get this piece of information, make sure you see this other report. Um, because, you know, especially if you're buying, you know, a business where uh, the sellers haven't used sophisticated um, tax advisors or, um, you know, a really good professional team and where you don't, you don't have as much confidence and not, and that's not to say that they're, that they're not good people or that they're not worth doing a deal with. But as you try to really interpret the information that you're getting, yeah. you know, having an experienced guide who's got a lot of, you know, a good guide who's got a lot of uh, experience with that stuff is going to be worth its weight in gold for you. So, yeah. And, and we'll probably talk a lot about it a little bit um, as we move forward with this, with this, uh, this episode is, you know, y you need to have your, your people on your deal team talking to each other. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, your accountant's going to talk to your attorney, your attorney's going to talk to your banker, your banker's going to talk to your accountant. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you're the one who's helping facilitate all those conversations because, you know, right. you're not the technical person. You're not the one who knows all things about tax, all things about law, but you're the one who needs to make sure the right people are communicating together in there. Right. And, and make sure that, that everybody understands their role mm -hmm. on in the process. Um, you know, we, we frequently get engaged to, to try to, you know, for lack of a better term, run the deal, you know, go, go make it happen, go put together the structure, go make sure everybody's doing the right things and, and that you're following up and that stuff gets done and it gets done on time. Sometimes that's our role. Sometimes our role is, um, I'll tell you what I need you. I'll tell you what I need from you and you'll do it. And then, <laughs> and then that's it. Um, and so you really need to make sure that your team understands how they fit and, mm -hmm. and to use the quarterback analogy, it's like, you know, you're, you've got your receivers running out there and you've got your blockers and you've got um, the one person that does the thing where they hit the other person. Um, and, and then, <laughs> but you've got, everybody's got their role and they need to understand their role and they need to be in the right place mm -hmm. at the right time, yep. doing the right thing um, in order for your deal to run really smoothly. And that's your job is to help understand what that needs to be, um, but rely on them, you know, mm -hmm. ask them, Hey, what should I be asking you for right now? If this is your first time through, or it's been a long time since you've been through, what should I be asking you for right now? How does this need to work? Who do I need to coordinate with? And, and you'll get a lot of good support from folks, but don't assume that they're always going to know exactly what your level of experience is or, or, or how comfortable you, you are or should be on things. But if you have good relationships with them, they're going to help you get a good outcome. So, um, also think about, you know, having a really good attorney on your team. Um, you know, and, and also think, and this is something I should bring up is, is make sure you think, you think about the right time to start the conversation with your professional team and the right time to actually plug them in as part of your team. Because going back to the last episode, when we're talking about the deal process, you don't want to start spending tons and tons of money with, you know, your, your deal team before you know, you've really got a deal in place, mm -hmm. but you probably need to have some initial conversations to get some thoughts on, Hey, I'm looking at this. What are some things I should be thinking about? Well, you should be aware that this tax thing is changing, or you should be aware that there's this regulatory component, or I'd ask for these eight things or whatever it is so that you get enough input at the right times from folks 
to really get a good outcome, get pointed in the right the right direction. Um, a a good um, a general rule to follow is to think about have the conversation early. Ask that that team member when do you really need to be involved to, and this is key. Create the most value for me based on my priorities. Um, because f- some folks will wait till they feel like they've got the deal all worked out and then they'll go get their attorney involved and their accountant involved. Well, if you've already got an LOI signed and you've already got all this stuff put mm-hmm. together, it's really hard for me to come in and say, hey, did you think about having a non-compete here? <laughs> like, Or did you think about all of these ad backs that need to happen to really get the numbers in the right position? Um, that becomes really hard. So think, think about that. But having a really good account, really good attorney. And on those two roles specifically, you know, you really want to talk to them about their experience and their focus. Um, because I'll use my industry, for example, there are lawyers that, that do family law stuff. And somebody comes to me and says, Hey Sam, will you help me with your divorce? I am a licensed attorney with 10 years of experience. I do not want to have anything to do with that because I do not know anything about it. (laughs) And, uh, but you'll sometimes see this where we'll be working on a deal and uh, for example, the other party will be getting represented by somebody in a, in a large complex deal. And that person tries to do everything. You know, they're doing divorces, they're doing estate planning, they're doing, you know, general corporate work, they're doing criminal law, they're doing DUIs, they're doing everything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, it's important to filter through that because sometimes those folks can do a really, really good job for you on a deal. Um, but sometimes, you know, they've got blind spots because they don't have the depth of experience and somebody's picked them because, you know, they've got a lower rate or whatever, you know, lower rate isn't always going to, going to end up being lowest cost. Um, and I think that that gets missed sometimes. Uh, And so as you're picking folks, think about experience, think about expertise, talk to them a lot about timing. You know, this is again, where you start back at that first episode talking about, you know, understanding timing and how it's going to fit together. Say, Hey, this is kind of where I'm thinking. This is what I'm you know, looking at, can you actually deliver for, for me on this? We, we've worked deals where we're hustling to get it done by December 31st. Cause that's when everybody's got to have it done by and the other parties, you know, team is <laughs> way, way overextended and it becomes very challenging to get it done mm-hmm. um, on time because they haven't had those, the other party hasn't had those appropriate conversations with them apparently about um, he, here's when it needs to get done here's how it needs to get done and then another thing I always encourage folks to talk to their to their team about is not just you know what is your level of experience and expertise that you bring to this particular kind of deal um, w- what is your availability and your timing look like to be able to do this um, but then also what is the project cost going to be. Um, and trying to get a handle on that as you plan for things uh, appropriately. Um, because you know, there's, there's just a lot of moving pieces and we try to have fairly detailed conversations with folks about, you know, here's, here's what the range is going to be. Here's what drives it. Um, cause this stuff's expensive. I mean, there's just no way around it, doing a deal, doing it right, you know, with your professional team. I mean, it, it can cost some serious money. And so, those conversations can be really valuable to you to understanding when is this money going to be best spent? What is going to return the highest value? What pieces should I have my team involved on? Um, and, and as much as anything, what should I expect and what do I need to plan for um, in terms of the overall budget? So, well, and something when you think about your deal team, um, on your deal team is also the 
the the seller's deal team too. You mm-hmm. know, who's on theirs? I mean, yeah. you're all on the same team and that's where right. you have to understand it's not an us versus them. It's right. you know, it's it, it's it's everybody's on the same team trying to get that ball over the over the over the the goal line. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that that is the goal because you both want this to be a successful acquisition on both sides and I think so many times people get caught in this thing of fighting. Like they're like, "Oh, well, right. it's it's us versus them, but it's not that." And I think that's where you have to take that into consideration is that and making sure that everybody's communicating and you know who's on their deal team, they know who's on your deal team. Mm-hmm. So they know that they can make that phone call to to Sam for an example, if they have a, a like a if their lawyer needs to call like your attorney and making mm-hmm. that that making sure that conversation's there. I mean that this you want that to be a good relationship because you don't want to be the um the roadblock for everybody. Like right, you don't right. want to be that gatekeeper. Yeah. If every if everything's filtering through you, you can really become a bottleneck yes, on things. Yes. And and that makes yes. it more expensive. Uh, you know, it may seem like it's going to save money. It's not, um, you want, you know, instead of that 20, 30 minute call, you know, you want the lawyer with you and then the hour long call between the attorneys, you usually want, you know, just when it's appropriate, just go talk to each other. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just go even, figure and, it out. And it's like, and I don't, I have not met a single person yeah. yet that has their, their MBA, their JD, their CPA, their insurance license, their, you know, valuation <laughs> license, they're all these different things yeah. that all these people have expertise in and you, you shouldn't be the one that's doing everything. Right. Well, and it, you know, I'll frequently tell this to clients. I have no doubt in my mind that you are perfectly capable and competent of figuring out a lot of this stuff on your own. Um, the question you have to ask for yourself, and it's different for every deal. Sometimes it's like, now I'll handle that. I'll take care of that because of the, the kind of deal, the nature of the deal, my background, whatever else, you know, it's entirely appropriate for the buyer or the seller to be handling that themselves. And so you should feel confident in certain circumstances doing that. But where folks sometimes run into trouble is trying to wear too many hats on their own instead of delegating to their team. Um, and so what I encourage you to think about is where do I create the most value and how can I create as much value as possible through my own time? And then where can I get my team to deliver as much value? I mean, what we focus on as a firm is we want to create more value per dollar than any of our competitors. Yeah. That's, that's where we want to focus. And sorry, you had to- Yeah, well, I was going to say, it goes back to to the relationship is, Mm -hmm. is, and that goes back to our very first, first episode is having that relational capital that you've invested in because, you know, you can have that honest conversation to where, you know, where, where Sam, you can come to me as a buyer, mm-hmm. as my attorney and saying, Hey Jake, like, like, and you can have that honest conversation with yeah. me. We were, we're that, where's that transparency is that and creating that transparency only makes the deal that, that's that much more successful. Right. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And those relationships are critical. You want to work with people that you can have a really good working relationship mm-hmm. because you want to have, you know, comfort that, you know, like for example, I've got a good enough relationship with, with Jake to where I feel confident that I don't need to be constantly thinking about whether or not Jake's going to sue me if something doesn't go exactly right. And yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. Well, this is a wrap. No. <laughs> uh, but uh, you want to have that kind of relationship with people where you're going to get their absolutely best optimized answer every time. 
um, that they can deliver based on what your priorities are, not just about, you know, being in high risk, you know, professions like accountants and attorneys and wealth managers and bankers are, you know, you don't want them just thinking about, okay, I got to make sure I protect myself. I mean, that thought's always going to be there. They can never remove it completely, but you always want them thinking about, okay, Jake said his priorities are this. Hey, Jake, you know what? You could probably handle this in this deal mm -hmm. because I have enough of a relationship with you to know mm -hmm. that I've got, that you've got the capability, you've got the competency to do this, you've got the time to do it. Um, you know, this is something you should feel comfortable doing if you want to. Um, and then here's the other things where it's like, you know, you probably better let your accountant do that or, or, or the lawyer do that or the banker or whomever. Um, but having those relationships is critical so that you can get that kind of feedback. Mm -hmm. um, another person you want to think about having on your team is your wealth manager. Um, particularly if you're the buyer or the seller, you want to start some of those conversations earlier because um, they're going to, you know, not just with your, you know, your tax planner, but also with, with other people on your personal side of things. You know, if, for example, you're going to, you're going to take money out of your 401k or out of an IRA or, or out of some other um, investment and you're going to use it to help fund either a down payment or some other thing. You really want to know, okay, what am I missing? What is, what is the process I need to go through? How much time is it going to take? Mm -hmm. How much am I going to lose on this? You know, if I'm going to lose anything, um, or if you're the seller, you want to be planning for some of those things, you know, how can I get the most out of this process, um, with that person? And so always good to think about, you know, do you have the person on your team who's got really good experience with that? They've got really good, uh, a really good handle on it. They work with other business owners, uh, and they're going to be really conversant in those issues. Um, it's difficult, to, uh, sometimes, you know, if you're, if your wealth manager, um, doesn't have that experience, um, to, to make sure that they're going to spot the right issues for you and get you, you know, the optimized outcomes. And so even if they don't have that direct experience, ask them who they've got on their team. You know, how, how can somebody else on your team help me? Cause most of the time they've got an extended team who get, they can reach out to and they can plug in, uh, plug in with. And so make sure you're getting that good feedback. Um, your banker, uh, you know, most of the time there's a banking relationship involved. Um, and if you're on the sell side, it might be one where you're paying things off and you've got to get it, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. you got to be thinking about, do I have any, um, uh, prepayment penalties or do I have any other things I've got to be thinking about? Maybe I can, you know, get it, get a little bit of negotiation, a little bit of wiggle room on that, um, based on the relationship I have. Or if you're on the buy side, it's, you know, making sure that that person's plugged in and that they're really thinking about things. Um, you always want to have that conversation with that banker about not just what is the financing on the deal look like, but also what is the financing after the deal look like? Um, because frequently you'll need not just, you know, if you're, if you're doing bank financing, not just the money to get to closing, but then you need a line of credit, mm -hmm. you know, you need that operating capital afterwards. And we've seen, you know, deals or we've heard about deals where, you know, folks get the money that they need to get through closing. And then, you know, they're surprised on the other side because they're fully collateralized and they can't go get a line of credit. Yep. They need it for operations. And now they're in a real pickle. Well, and that, um, that was, I mean, we were a real life example of that. We were able to get a line of credit for mm -hmm. um, our two locations and you immediately, we had to pay rent on January 1st. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so the landlord's like, Hey, rent's due. And we're like, yep. we just bought this money and we hadn't even seen any revenue come in yet yep. on the process. And so yep. it was, uh, you know, having a line of credit because there were some things that still had to be done with the franchise for it to actually start working for, mm -hmm. for, um, for revenue to start coming into our bank account. Right. And so we, it was, we were grateful because we had that line of credit to be able right. to pay our first payroll and pay our first rent. Right. Rent check. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's not just, you know, as you budget for the deal, it's not just how am I going to pay my account and how am I going to pay my attorney? 
you know, how am I going to have, you know, fund the purchase price? It's also thinking about, okay, you know, think about the cash, the cash flow budget, mm -hmm. you know, for pre-closing and post-closing yep. and how's that going to fit together? Yeah. Um, and, and that's again, where a good accountant, you know, somebody who really knows those numbers, who's done a lot of deals, who's, who's going to be able to say, Hey, you got to think about this thing and that thing and the other thing. And, you know, do you really have, is, is 30 days really the right number? Or do you really want to make sure you have 45 or 60 days and talk to your banker about that? And good bankers who do lots of deals, they're going to have really good insight into that as well, because they're going to know like, gee, I know how fast this stuff turns over. I've looked at your financials. What you really need is, is X or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you always want to think about having a little bit of margin in there. Yep. Um, because Jake, remind me how many months after it, after you closed on your business, was uh, your business closed on by COVID? <laughs> uh, 60 days. Um, well, I mean, and kind of going back to that with with having a good relationship with my banker, yeah. you know, having that great relationship there, we were able to, you know, get the PPP, you know, yeah. because of it. And because I had that relationship, it's not, it's not when the deal's done, all the relationships stop. Right. You know, it's continuous relationships forward. I mean, you know, I still communicate right. with you as my attorney because mm -hmm. there were certain things that we need to look through going forward if we're mm -hmm. going to acquire their businesses, those sort of mm -hmm. things with my accountant, with with a banker. I mean, that's that's where having those good, solid relationships and, and continuing to invest in that relationship capital matters post-close. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, a couple other folks you want to think about having on your team. An industry expert. If you are not the industry expert, you need to think about having one. If this is this is obviously most mostly for the buy side, because if you're the sell side, you probably are the industry expert on your team. <laughs> um, but if you're on the buy side, you really want to think about having an industry expert on your team, even if it's just somebody who you know you have a really good relationship with, who's got deep experience, and you're going to call them up and be like, "Hey, I saw this thing, and this thing looks weird. Would you help me understand it?" Um, because you know, a lot of times you don't even know what to look for if you don't have, you know, day-to-day -day working experience in that industry. And so make sure you've got somebody good on your team to, to help you with that. Um, Jake mentioned this earlier, an insurance agent, you really need to have a good insurance agent on your team. Um, and early in the process, because you need insurance, you know, when you close, maybe even before, yep. uh, if you're on the buy side and if you're on the sell side, you want to have that early conversation about how long should I keep this stuff in place? Mm -hmm. You know, um, yep. should I, should I pull the plug on it right away? Yep. Um, and you may have insurance obligations under the contracts that you sign in connection with yep. the deal. And you're going to want to have that insurance agent. You don't, you don't want to, I mean, your, your attorney is going to know some good things about insurance provisions, but you really want your insurance agent saying like, Hey, do you realize how much this is going to cost you every month or yeah. um, you really ought to think about a little bit higher limit or a little yeah. bit lower limit or this yeah. other kind of policy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I can't, an I expert. can't, I can't yeah. echo that enough. I mean, it's something that, you know, we used almost immediately after we purchased the business and, you know, with us as having a good insurance agent, because within our franchise agreement, there's certain things you have to have in there mm -hmm. and then having an insurance agent that understands franchise right. agreements to read through those and say, okay, this is what you need to have for coverage to meet right. that need and knowing what, you know, is it entails because with every industry, there's a different uh, level of insurance you need, level of coverage that you need right. within your know, fitness industry. People can, things can happen at a fitness facility and it's making sure you're covered in that. So right. you know, 100%, right. I mean, don't, don't wait for that. Have that, have that on your deal team ahead of time of who you want to work with um, mm -hmm. in that process. Right. Right. No, ab absolutely. And, and again, thinking about timing, um, a lot of times those things will take a while to get teed up. 
um, to get through underwriting. And particularly if you have a unique type of business, you may have a really great insurance agent. They may not be able to place it. They may have to go, you know, go through underwriting only to find out like, gee, this is not competitive at all. You need to go talk to so-and-so. Um, and you need to allow enough time to, to be able to go through that process. Um, uh, also be thinking about key personnel. Um, if you're the buyer, you know, we've got a lot of entrepreneurial buyers where they'll go buy businesses, but then they're not personally going to go run it. They're going to, they, they're bringing in their key person who's going to run it. Mm -hmm. Um, that person needs to be involved in the deal process. You don't want to just be like, Hey, here's the keys go. Um, at the end of it, you really want to have that person learning about the process, helping you with diligence because they need to start just saturating themselves yep. with what's going on. If you're the seller, you need a similar process usually uh, because you're not the only one who has access to information. You need those key people on your team to help share that information, help sh sure, make sure you get accurate answers to the buyer yeah. so that you don't get sued on the well, other and, side. And, and kind of, it kind of on that, that point is, you know, as, as a seller, you know, understanding when's the right time to let my team know that something mm -hmm. like this is happening. Absolutely. And, you know, in our situation, we were keeping all employees and right. there were some key personnel on his team that right. we needed to talk to mm -hmm. about this and get them into the mix on it. And so it's understanding the timeline on that right. and knowing what that looks like and preparing right. for that. Because that's something that I will say I wish I would have done differently is spend a lot more time on understanding the culture of the organization. Mm -hmm. um, because when you come in, you know, you're inheriting a culture yeah. and understanding what that culture looks like. Right. And, you know, me, I'm very entrepreneurial. I'm very driven. And, mm -hmm. you know, and if I would have brought them into the conversation a lot sooner and, and got they're buying on a lot of things, it would have been a lot easier um, post-close because there's there's a lot of things that, you know, that you don't know until you get in there afterwards. No, those are those are great points. Those are great points. I mean, especially for sellers thinking about when is the right time to bring them into the process because you bring them in too early, you can spook key people mm -hmm. and they might leave. Yep. You really want to know, do I have a deal? Um, and for the buyer, when you're thinking about the seller's key personnel that are involved, I think that's a really, really great point. Jake, I'm really glad you brought it up. Um, culture is important because you you don't just inherit the balance sheet, you know, the income statement, the assets, whatever else it is that you're actually buying. You know, you, you, you know, a lot of times you inherit the people and if the people aren't the right fit, you want to try to figure that out as the buyer early on enough so that you can decide, okay, either, you know, how can I work with the seller to optimize this person either into a different mm -hmm. role or to get them redirected or, or figure out how to get them in the right seat on the bus or figure out like, maybe they're not on the right bus. I mean, we've had that. Yeah. We, we did a deal last year where uh, somebody was invited to be the, the buyer and then to handle removing people from the bus. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it not, is. Uh, but like it is, it goes back to culture. I yeah. mean, I think all of this boils down to culture, the culture of your deal team, you know, mm -hmm. the culture of the team that you're, right. that you're, that you're joining and everything because, because yes, you are going to be the ultimate decision maker, but they've been with the organization longer than you have. And, right. you know, they're, they're, there to do a job and you, they're probably key in making sure that they produce the product that you're purchasing, you know? Right. And it's, I think that, that goes, that, that I think that's a key piece that's commonly missed um, in the process of buying or selling a business is the people that are involved in it that are actually working for the business being bought or sold. Yeah. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. And, you know, I'll beat this drum all the time. 
business is about relationships. It happens through relationships. And a lot of times your key asset isn't, you know, your equipment, it isn't your inventory, it isn't even your IP, it's your people. Um, and so you always want to know, you know, if you're, if you're the buyer coming in, what are my people going to be like? Yep. Um, and how do I have great relationships with them? Set yep. the right tone, set the right expectations, mm-hmm. handle that process really well. And I think, and I know we're kind of coming yep. close on time on this one, but I think it goes back to the, 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 the timeline is all of these things are happening pretty much all at once mm-hmm. and knowing when they're moving. And I think it's, it's getting the understanding is it's like, it's not this thing starts, this thing ends. I move on to the next thing. It starts, it ends. It's everything's fluid. Right. It's all fluid. Yep. And it's, and it's, yep. it's a, it's a just evolving circle that you have to understand in that process and go into that with eyes wide open. Right. And that's, and that's where, you know, one of the things we really hope to deliver um, through this, through this podcast, particularly through this eight eight part segment, which we're in the, th- the third part right now, who should you have on your deal team? Um, but what we really hope to deliver is enough of a comprehensive overview for you to really get a good sense of, okay, here's how pieces connect. Um, so that as you're going through the process, you know, working one job, for example, and doing your deal as your second job while trying to be an engaged part of your family and your community, um, that a lot of this stuff, you'll start to spot connections quickly yep. rather than 100%. after the fact. So um, the last thing you need to think about on your deal team is just a blank for other. Who else do you need to have on your team? Always be thinking expansively and creatively about what are my priorities? What are my objectives? And do I have the right people on my team to help make sure that I get the best outcome I possibly can here? Thank you folks for joining us today. Um, This is the Buy or Sell Successfully podcast. I'm Sam Foreman. My co-host is Jake Wayman. This is the third part of an eight-part series. We hope you'll join us again. Our goal here is um, we want to help empower you, equip you, and educate you so that you can have a successful deal process, whether you're buying, whether you're selling, um, or whether you're uh, working to transition uh, ownership of your business to the next generation. So uh, we hope you've had a uh, wonderful day. Uh, We'll talk more about frogs next time. If you missed the frog reference, go back and listen to podcast number two. Uh, Thank you all. Have a great day.